We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday. We're almost done with the regular season. We have a great podcast with you um, for the middle of this week, coming down the home stretch. Recorded with Connor Hughes. So Connor Hughes is the beat reporter for the New York Jets. Um, we recorded this about a week ago, but completely relevant because we talked just very generally about this team, had a great conversation about what it is to, uh, you know, cover the NFL versus the NBA, storylines between the two leagues. Um, obviously talked a lot about the the comparison between these two franchises. Um, if you're a, a Knicks fan, you're going to enjoy this. If you're a Jets fan, you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, if you're a sports fan, you're going to enjoy this because Connor's great, um, covers the Jets, but he's a massive, massive Knicks fan. So he gave some really great insight uh, into the team and and just in general. So that conversation is coming up. Uh, second thing I want to say, um, just, you know, I, I tried to get to everybody, um, but in case I missed you, if you reached out and wished me a happy birthday, which was earlier this week, um, I just want to say thank you. Um, I, I don't like my birthday. Uh, I, I don't like getting older. I am not, I, you know, despite the fact that I am in front of the camera for YouTube uh, live streams and, you know, this podcast and whatever, um, I'm, I'm not very much for, for uh, unwarranted attention. So, uh, yeah, birthdays definitely make me uncomfortable. But for anybody who reached out with a happy birthday wish, I just want to say thank you. If I, if I have not gotten to you, um, Already, And if I have gotten to you, thank you again. Um, third thing, last thing, um, recording this intro um, before the Knicks play their game against the Lakers um, on Tuesday night. And also, just as importantly, um, before the Heat and the Celtics play their game on Tuesday night. Now, um, why is that relevant? Well, it's relevant, relevant for a couple of reasons. One, if you want to hear my thoughts on the Knicks-Lakers game and potentially my thoughts about the Knicks clinching a playoff spot, which is which is possible um, based on how things go tonight. Cause if the Knicks win and the Celtics lose, the Knicks are in um, just refresh your live, your uh, podcast stream. And, and you could hear um, the post game live stream uh, thoughts uh, in podcast form, or you can just go to the YouTube channel. Um, but I actually want to take a step forward because as I said, after the Knicks played the Clippers and, and um, dispatched the Clippers as it were on Sunday, um, I think they're in. They're going to get in. 
it would take them losing the rest of their games and the Celtics winning the rest of their games and other things to happen as well um, for the Knicks to, to knock it in the playoffs. I think they're going to be in. I think now the attention has turned to, well, what happens in tiebreaker scenarios? So I'm going to break it down very simply. Two team tiebreaker scenarios um, just go by head-to-head matchups. So if the Knicks end up in a two-team tiebreaker with the Heat, they lose because they've lost all three games against the Heat. If the Knicks end up in a three-team tiebreaker or a two-team tiebreaker, excuse me, with the Hawks, they win because they swept the Hawks this year. And if they end up in a two-team tiebreaker with the Celtics, it depends on the last game of the season. Um, so uh, let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Now, three-team tiebreaker, a little bit more complicated because three-team tiebreaker, the first thing that you look at is division winner. This is not so great for the Knicks. Here's why. If the Knicks end up in a three-team tiebreaker, the odds are that they are going to end up in a three-team tiebreaker with the Hawks and the Heat. If they're in a three-team tiebreaker with the Hawks and the Heat, one of those teams will be the division winner. And guess what? It's going to be the Hawks. Um, That's already decided, um, which means the Hawks will emerge victorious. And then it defaults to the next stage of the three-team tiebreaker, which is head-to-head matchup, which the Knicks lose against the Heat. So again, three-team tiebreaker scenario, Knicks, Hawks, Heat, Hawks four, Heat five, Knicks six. If... If, if somehow, and I'm not even sure this is mathematically possible, but if the Knicks end up in a three-team tiebreaker with um, a non-division winner, so basically this would entail the Heat or the Hawks winning um, the four-seed outright, and then the Knicks ending up in a three-team tiebreaker in spots five, six, and seven with the loser of that division and the Celtics, then it gets a little more complicated because, and, and it's still too early to say. Um, and, and it may, it may come down to the last game of the season. So um, if you're a Nick fan and you're simply rooting for them to get in um, a, you may have already gotten your wish um, B root against the Celtics. If you are rooting for them to get in the four or five spot, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to root for the Knicks to end up in a two team tiebreaker with the Hawks, or you're just going to want to root for the Knicks to, to win the four spot outright. Either of those th- two things are good. Anything else, three team tiebreaker with Hawks and Heat, three team or uh, two team tiebreaker with, with the Heat, that's no bueno. I think I got that all correct. If I did not get that correct, you can address your angry hate mail to um, at Andrew Claudio on Twitter. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, that's on me. So I, I think I got that right. As best as I could tell, um, that's all correct. And if I if I haven't, feel free to reach out to me and um, and yell at me. Um, I think that's it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the New York Jets beat reporter for The Athletic, Connor Yu. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, if you are a football fan in New York and who is not a football fan in New York or anywhere in this country. Um, You know this person very well because he has been covering the Jets for a very long time. He has been doing so uh, for The Athletic for a while now. And his, uh, like everybody at The Athletic, um, even though I like to make fun of Mike Borkinoff, he's quite good. Um, He's he's excellent. Connor Hughes, what's going on, Connor? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Dude, this is a blast. I, uh, you know, it's very cool for me anytime I get to talk to somebody um, who covers a team, whether it's an NBA team or an NFL team, because I just, um, you know, I find the work so fascinating. And uh, when you're as good at it as you are, I find it even more fascinating. So uh, thank you for being part of the show. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm excited. Like I said, I've been... The, the Knicks are finally fun to watch again. So it's, I've been, I've been starting to catch up on everything again, going, going for full circle. So I'm, I'm happy to be on this one. This is one of those where I've, I've started listening. I told you my buddy listens to this show all the time. He's the one who turned me on to you. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward. I'm excited to be here. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, I well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So uh, yeah, no, I think, and it's, it's the reason I wanted to do it because I, I think, you know, in this town, you know, narratives are everything. And I feel like the narrative surrounding the Knicks and the the narrative surrounding the Jets 
often go hand in hand just because the two organizations have been just such shit shows for, <laughs> um, well, not forever, but for the, for the, you know, for a while now. Um, so let me start with that. What, what is it like covering a, an organization that has kind of, um, I don't want to say hasn't been able to get out of its own way, but has had their issues getting out of their own way. Yeah, it's been, it's been different, man. Cause like, the weird thing is like the Jets had their success before I came around. So, so my first year covering them in some capacity was 2014. So I was okay. there in a part, I mean, I was still in college. So I was there in a part-time basis in 2014, uh, was there much more in 2015. And then I got my full-time job covering them for the ledger in 2016. And okay. aside from that 2015 year where you had the the revival of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall and Todd's first year and all that stuff. I mean, the jets have been a bad football team. You know, they were, very bad in 14. They were very bad in 16. They were very bad in 17 and 18. And then they got Sam and they were, you know, in 2019, they weren't good again. In 2020, they went seven and nine. So they were at least somewhat competent and ended the season well, set high expectations for this past year. And then they go two and 14. So it's been weird, but I think what, what the, the problem the team has had is just the, the running of the show is that they just haven't had the right person calling the shots. And when Mike Tannenbaum was here, he got the Jets to a point where they were where they were pretty good, you know, because they, they made those two AFC championship runs. And then that relationship and the Rex Ryan tenure kind of ran its course. Jets wanted some new blood. And, and that's when things really started to get bad because they hired John Idzik, yeah. who was given two years, was very bad during those two years. Uh, obviously, didn't show enough progress. So the Jets fired him after those two seasons. They brought in Mike McCagnan and and for the next four years, five off seasons, I mean, he he ran the team into the ground, man. I mean, the the draft picks that they had and that they made, you know, that that's supposed to be your meat and potatoes. That's supposed to be where you really build a team. Sure. And and he 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 literally drove the team into the ground. I mean, the Jets have no one on their right, roster right now from the 2015 or 16 off seasons. I think. Oh my God, Marcus May. That- yeah, Marcus Nobody? May is the only one left from 17. So like when you are royally missing on your draft picks like that it's tough to build a contender. And I think where the jets really made their biggest mistake was when Christopher Johnson stuck with Mike too long, because that's, that's one of his biggest flaws. Uh, One of his biggest flaws when he took over for Woody is that he was just too trusting and too trusting to the wrong people. Uh, Should have let Mike McCagney go the same time he let Todd Bowles go. And if he did, maybe the jets are in a different position, but the change now and where things are a little bit different now is I genuinely do believe that the Jets have the right guy calling the shots in Joe Douglas. Like, I think that he is, he's a general manager. It's going to be the right one to kind of get this team righted and start doing some good things. And he came aboard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is his second or third season that he's going to be the, the in charge. Yeah. So it's funky because it's his third year, but it's his second off season. So the Jets. Okay. Gotcha. Very unorthodoxly, if that's a word. Uh, they it's a word fired, now. Yeah. Fired Mike McCagnan after the 2000. So they let Mike McCagnan run the 2019 coaching search for Adam Gase. They let him run the draft. They let him run the offseason, and then they fired him. Then they realized, like, holy cow, this guy shouldn't be doing this. They let him go. So they hired Joe a couple weeks, month or so after that, but he came in after the draft, after the free agency had already happened. So last year, uh, 2020, that pandemic year, was his first offseason where he actually had a draft and free agency, and then this was his second. So technically he's been there three years, but this is really just his second offseason. I, you know, it just hit me. I'm so uh, full disclosure. My wife is, um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. She's she a closeted jet fan. She, okay. she has, she, I think she actually has a shirt that like uh real, like, you know, real fans wear green or something. It's, it's pajamas does not come out outside of the house. Um, she was a once proud jet fan. Um, so like I am somewhat up to date on the team, but yet it hasn't hit me until now hearing you talk about this. That reminds me a lot of Phil making the the Nilla oh, yeah, draft yeah. pick, and then it was the four days later, five days later, um, he he got axed. Was that was there? Because you know, in the, in the Knicks fan base, I don't know if there was uproar over that, but there was definitely some like, now you do it, really? Yeah. What what, what was the reaction like to you know the waiting until until after the the coaching search and the offseason to fire uh, the, the yeah. McCagnan? Shock, dude. And like the true, true story about this is like, so during the draft, I got a call from, from one of the people that I know within the league, one, one of my best sources that called me and he goes, I got something for you. 
And this is this is literally after the first round of the draft. So I, I don't know how close you've there's the Thursday is the first round, sure, Friday's yeah. second and third round, and then Saturday's fourth on. And he calls me before the start of the second round. He goes, I got something for you. He goes, Mike's gonna get fired after the draft. And I'm like, <laughs> bullshit. Like literally, I I told I bullshitted him. I was like, dude, I was like, you're trying to get me fired. I was like, I'm not <laughs> running. Like, that's bullshit. He goes, I'm telling you, dude, he goes, it's going around the league right now. He goes, it is the hot topic. Like everyone's talking about it. Like Mike's going to get fired. So I was like, I I, I literally said to him on the phone, I was like, dude, I was like, what team lets the general manager pick the coach, run the free agency, run the draft, and then fires him? What team does that? He goes, Connor, I'm telling you it's going to happen. So I'm like, I'll dig lightly. I was like, but I'll dig. (laughs) I called two more people that I know around the league. Both of them were like, yeah, I heard that. I was like, shit. So you can't like, that's not a story that you can just run as a rumor. Like you need something that's a little concrete. So I had gone to to, like a couple people in the jets that confirm or deny these type of things. And I was like, do you like, do you, I heard this. I was like, I hear it from people that I trust. Like I am not running like this isn't like, third string agent, low level sure. scout. These are like people that I trust that, that were the same people that helped me a lot with stories that I broke that are true that are telling me this now. And the, the response that basically I got from the Jets was like, you realize how that would make us look? No, we're not going to do this. And obviously now what I found out in hindsight in years is that this was like coming from like up. Like there were like two people that knew these conversations were going on. It was like a really? coach. And ownership were like the only two that knew these conversations about Mike losing his job were, were going around. So the people I checked in to confirm it didn't know. So they were like, no, no way that happens. No way that happens. Sure enough, two weeks later, I just ha- I happen to be sitting at this desk scrolling through Twitter and I see the press release come across and it's Mike McCagman's fired. So, so you did not run in- at all? You didn't uh, intimate? I mean, no, when, when I had it denied as strongly and as vehemently as the Jets denied it, like the Jets denied it heavily. And so when the Jets denied it heavily, what am I supposed to like at that point? It's like normally if normally when you have a scoop that you go to them about, if it's not accurate, they'll tell you it's not accurate. If it's something okay. that they can't comment on, their go to line has always been like, if you're comfortable in your reporting, we have nothing to add. And that means like run it. So when they vehemently denied it as much as they did, it was like, OK, the, I, I all right. I mean, but again, like you're also using common sense. Like it's not just like. It's not like you're saying like, hey, you guys are going to trade Sam. No, we're not going to do that. I kind of feel like it's common sense. The guy picked the head coach. The guy, like it's common sense. You don't do that. So when they fired him, it was like, holy shit, they actually. And so the immediate reaction, I think, from a large portion of the fan base was like, Mike McCagnin sucks. We're glad he's gone. The other portion of the fan base that was like kind of got a chance to, okay, yes, it was the right move to fire Mike McCagnin. However, we just fired Mike McCagnin after the draft, after free agents. Like, th- that's what set in where it was, like, ridiculous. And I think the way that I coined it was, like, it was organizational malpractice. And it wasn't it wasn't the firing of Mike McCagnin because Mike did enough during his four years sure, to yeah. getting fired. It was when you fired him. Because in the NFL draft, like, it's not like – I don't know if I can even compare it to the NBA because in the NFL draft, like, free agency, like, Mike jo- – that was the free agent where the Jets signed C.J. Mosley to $85 million, Le'Veon Bell to $52.5 million, Jamison Crowder to, like, I remember that. million. Like, they went batshit in free agency. Then they had a top five – they had the third pick in the draft. So, they had the th- number three pick in the draft that year, plus, like, all of this stuff. And you use this guy and then fire him. The next guy you bring in has a completely different vision where that – $100 million in salary cap space used in free agency would have been spent differently with a different guy calling the shots who now you're – so it was just – it was a big cluster after that whole situation, man. And, like, when they fired him, it was the uh, – I can't believe you just did this, followed by, like, holy hell, what are you going to do now? Now, granted, like, the positive of it all is it did end in Joe. It ended in Joe sure, Douglas, yeah. a guy that has a tremendous reputation, a guy that has a lot of – um Pull within the league, a guy who comes with a sterling reputation, a great resume. A lot of people believe in this guy. So it did end well in that regard. Um, but from the immediate reaction of when it happened, it was like they just did they like like literally Mike picked head coach, free agency draft, fired a month later. Like that was just wild. It, Absolutely wild. It sounds like the type of thing where I don't know, maybe 29 other NFL teams, but 28, 27 are looking at each other and probably talking like, did that, did the Jets really just do that? That's exactly and, what happened. That's which, it was, again, it was, it, they, it was, 
at that point in time, it, it solidified the Jets or it made the Jets look very much like a, a rudderless organ, like an organization that did not know where they were going. And, and it was, it was very bad to the point where like Joe Douglas was a guy, like I said, he came in, he's from Ozzie Newsom, the school team building in Baltimore. The, like sure. Ozzie Newsom is known as the godfather of team building had success there trained underneath that. I mean, he, he trained from a low level scout, the Turk, all that, that was his role trained underneath all of that goes up to, um, uh, Chicago has, you know, only there yes. for one year because then he goes to the Eagles, wins a Super Bowl with the Eagles as, as he's building Howie Roseman's draft board. They win a Super Bowl. When the Jets actually hired him, a couple of the people that had, like, tipped me off to, like, the, hey, Mike's going to get fired. I reached out to him, like, to see what they thought about Joe, and, you know, kind of before really diving into him. And the one quote I got back was, I can't believe the Jets got Joe. Like, I wow. can't believe Joe Douglas agreed to work for the Jets. Like, that's kind of the reputation. And now Joe has spent the last – three years working to change that narrative working. And I think it's happening. Like there's a, it's such an innocuous, innocuous and, and silly photo, but the jets brought Elijah Barrett Tucker, who was their second first round pick into the, the facility for a visit. Okay. And I, I love the photo. Cause it just, to me, it shows the changing of the guard and it's Elijah Barrett Tucker and his entire family within the team's facility. And like, it's the first time he's really in an NFL building and he's got yeah. his mom, his dad, his, you know, all these people around him. He's got his arms around him. And he wants a picture and it's a picture from the Jets team photographer leaning back because you have two members of the Jets organization holding up camera phones to take pictures of on the, on their phone of Uh, this moment of Elijah with all of his family. And the second person taking the photo is Joe Douglas. And he's got like, I mean, (laughs) it's like the prom mom stance because he's like bent over like this with the camera phone out. He looks like, like somebody's mom at the prom. And it's hysterical. And it's like, that's the general manager who picked them, taking a cell phone photo of the first round pick with his family. And they're like, text, like, here you guys go. I got it. And it's just, it's, that's the type of guy Joe is and why like the feelings around the Jets are changing. And it's going to take time because, I mean, like I said, McCagden ran this team into the ground. Like he, like he is, when you look at it, it is, a, it is re- remarkable how bad he was. And it's going to take time. It's always going to take more than one or two off seasons, but like you can see things changing. You can things, see things trending in the right direction. Obviously it doesn't mean anything until they start winning games, but it's, it's getting there. It's moving there. Hearing you talk about him in this sense, I immediately thought of the other night um, in Memphis uh, for the Knicks when Julius Randle hits the back-to-back step back threes and he's running down the court, you know, get on my back. And who's there cheering like a crazed lunatic fan in Madison Square Garden going, it's like first game of the but William Wesley. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Randall's talking after the game about how, you know, it's mentioned. And not the first time that word has been been mentioned in the context of this next team, but family. Um, and I want, you know, it's funny. I wonder if it's more like around NBA circles of people are like, I can't believe Wes went to the Knicks or if it's more like what took it so long to become official that Wes is now officially on the Knicks payroll. I don't, I, I wonder which one of those two it is. What, what, what do you think about Wes, William Wesley? Do you think he's had a similar uh, impact as like Joe Douglas had? Obviously different because yeah. Doug, Doug is a football guy. Wes yeah. is a, a Wes. I don't, <laughs> you know? No, what, what I think is so underplayed in sports is culture. Like it is, it, and you, you lose it. Like, cause you lose it in the sense of like players and you want star players and, and you lose it in the sense of like a lot of the other things that can go right and wrong, but like culture is so, so important to sports. And once you have a culture and once you have that, everything else starts to fall into place because whether it's a winning culture or a good culture, it's just not a toxic, you can't have a toxic culture. And for the jets for several years, there was that toxic culture. And for the Knicks, for several, several years, there was a toxic like culture. And now you can Absolutely. see whether it's Wes or whether it's Tibbs or whether it's Randall or who, I don't know what it is, but you can see them changing where they like, they call themselves the big 15. That's yeah. a culture. That's a family like that's, yeah. and you can start to see to a lesser extent that coming around with the jets. And the difference is the Knicks are now winning. So it's like, I mean, you want to talk about culture and you want to talk about family, how much we love each other. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. You also have to win games. Like that's, that's the big, you do have can, to win and that's what the Knicks are now doing. But can you get culture without winning some games? That's the thing I always go back to. And I don't know the, I've thought about that topic more than anything. And I, ha- I have no answer. Um, I don't know because I don't know if you can have one without the other. So I don't know. It's like the old chicken or the, I think it's exactly, I it's exactly like a chicken or the egg talk because like, I don't know if you can, if you have a good culture, I think the winning will eventually come. 
Like the, the comparison I would make would be like the Seattle Seahawks. Like how many times okay. have the, the C and I, I know the NFL, obviously I cover the NFL. So I know them more than the NBA. So I, I can't like, I can easily make analogies and, and anecdotes with that regard. But um, like the Seattle Seahawks, they'll, they'll, they went through like a rebuild a couple of years ago where they got rid of Sherman and these, there's all, Michael oh, yeah. Bennett and all these guys, they went through like their rebuild, even in their rebuild, they still went like eight and eight, nine and seven because they just have a culture that's there and they're just going to win. And it's, it's not going to be as good as when they're 12 and four, 11 and five, but even when you're rebuilding, you're still winning. And I think that it's, it goes hand in hand. And I don't know if there's one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One without the other, because usually when you have one, you have the other. And it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating to watch. It really is. But I mean, I, I would say like, think about the Knicks last year. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I think the culture now is better than it was last year. With the oh. Jets, I think the culture last year was still not great. I don't think it was, and I think a large part of that was was Gase. I think Adam Gase played a big part of that. Now they've got the new coach in and Robert Sala, and now he's paired with Douglas and Sala's got like the motivation and all. And, yeah. you know, I think that it, it comes to making it like a family. It comes to making, I mean, what I will say is I think good players, if you have great, great players, I mean, I don't think culture really matters anymore because talent trumps everything, but you need to have the culture and the culture will go with winning and then that'll draw on the better players and all that stuff kind of just goes hand in hand in hand. We've had... Two coaches here in New York sports over the last couple of years in David Fisdale and Adam Gase. When uh, so I'm 38. Are you you're probably around the same age, right? But yeah, probably 30, younger. 29, 30, yeah. Okay. Um have we seen two coaches that bad at the same time in New York sports in the last 25, 30 years? And they weren't just like yeah. here's the thing. Well, Fisdale started out. I loved Fisdale. I like did you like the Fisdale hire when they first made it? I, with NBA coaches, am very much in a wait and see. Okay. Like, I just, I'm, smart I'm man. very much with them in just the way I did. I will say that the Tibbs one was the one where I was like, I like that one. That's the one I like. But like when you see the Tibbs. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll buy, like, I'll read this. I'll read what people say about them. I'll read the columns. I'll read the stories and I'll buy in loosely. But with how much I've been spurned by this Knicks team, <laughs> it's more like I, I'm done. A lot of it with him. It was a lot of, like, I'm just not going to buy in yet until I see it. I did love Woody. Woody, I loved. I loved Mike. I loved him. I thought he was great. I do I just, not I, love Woody. Everybody loves him. Woody. Woody's He's the best. one I bought in, but like everyone else has been, just show me. I got to see it for, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't buy into the blind faith anymore. So it was like, wait and see, wait and see, except for Tibbs. Tibbs was always like, I just have a feeling that he's a good, he's just a good basketball coach. He's just good. He's just a good coach. I wanted to see it. Um, but Fisdale was one where I, I didn't, I did not like him. I didn't yeah. like him. It was like just a, all right, just show me something. Give me reason to believe kind of a thing. I was, I drank the Kool-Aid early and often and um, ended up choking on it, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, to, to, to my detriment. It felt like, though, with Gase, there was never any Kool-Aid, unless I missed no. it. Was was there any Kool-Aid? No, there was none. And, and the reason for that is like, so when Gase got hired, the Jets had just drafted Sam Darnold. So Sam was after one year. They had dealt with, uh, at the time, the Jets were considered like a team you wanted to work for because you had just drafted Sam Darnold, who had shown some promise the final year yeah. of his rookie season. Uh, you had another top draft pick. Do you think Sam's a franchise quarterback? You have another top draft pick. You have an owner that wants you to spend, a GM that wants you to spend $100 million to spend. They were considered a premier location. Like they were considered like one of the top, if not the top uh job the open job yeah yeah so when they had some of these guys coming in cliff kingsbury um mike mccarthy uh matt rule mm. uh some other college names that were out there as well it never really got a true shake but rule was the big one 
the Jets were considered a situation where they had their pick of the litter. Like they, they could, it wasn't like they had to convince somebody to take their job, yeah. whoever they wanted, they were going to get. And Adam had at one point, two years ago when he was uh, the, with the Chicago bears as their offensive coordinator was considered like the next Sean McVay, like the bright, brilliant offensive mind that was going to change the that. NFL. And he had gone to the dolphins, had a good first year, a not good second year and a bad third year. And there were reports of him butting heads with players. There were reports of him butting heads with ownership and management. There were uh, the signs that his offense just wasn't working. There were all these things that, that Jet fans had also seen firsthand because the Dolphins are in their division. So the Jets had seen Adam Gase struggle. So when they were when the, the, the Jets are going to interview Adam Gase and Adam Gase is in the coaching search, like when his name was being thrown around, a lot of Jet fans took it as a, well, why? Like we, we don't need Adam Gase. We can go get Matt rule. We don't need Adam Gase. We can go get Cliff Kingsbury. We don't need him. We can go get McCarthy. Like we can get all these guys. Like why we don't need, we don't need Adam. And then when it came down to like, well, rules not going, he went back to college because there was some like butting of heads over like his staff and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, Which was basically just like the jets wanted more NFL experience on his staff. They were hiring a college head coach. They wanted more NFL experience and rule was basically bringing with him all of his college buddies and the Jets didn't really like that. And with Kingsbury, Kingsbury's big thing was he just wanted to pick his quarterback. Like he wanted his quarterback. So he went to Arizona where they could get Kyler Murray. Um, But like Mike McCarthy was like, he won a Super Bowl with the Packers. Like pretty good. Why is he, why is he? And all of a sudden it's like, no, the Jets are hiring Adam Gase. It was like, uh, why? And then, okay, prove me right, I guess. And almost from the get go on that one, the Jets bring Adam Gase in. There's like, he starts butting heads with Mike McCagnan, the Jets fire Mike McCagnan. The regular season comes and it's still like, okay, well, we have the new coach, show me something. And the Jets start one and seven. And basically from that point on, Adam was, Adam was doomed. And I I will say this, like the one thing that Adam gets a bad reputation for and, and what people kind of rip him a lot for, which is, which is unwarranted is that he developed some like reputation as a guy who didn't care, a guy who was like lazy or anything like that. Like yeah. that wasn't him, man. Like he was, he was putting in more hours than anyone else. He was basically sleeping at the team's facility, trying to find oh. fixes for the jets. He just couldn't identify it. And I, I, I wrote this after he got fired that I, I genuinely do believe that Adam at one point might've figured out what was wrong with his offense, but okay. he was so in his own head and probably just, thought past that one. And then all of a sudden he made it more of a clusterfuck than what it already was. And, and it got bad. And it was, it was, he, you know, coaches always get a honeymoon. There was no honeymoon with Gase. And then when they started one and seven, it went straight to just fire at him. Uh, Jets gave him a second season when they rallied to finish seven and nine. But then, I mean, it was brutal last year play uh, this. The offense just doesn't work. It's one of those where he needs to take that offense and go back and re rework it because with him, with the Jets, it was never about, um, it was never with Adam about like how he can make an offense work for his players. It was about, this is the offense that tore up the NFL and set records with the Broncos and Peyton Manning. Yeah. It can still work. I'm going to show you it can still work. And if it means square uh, slamming square pegs into round holes, I'm going to do it until it works. And it came in his detriment. And I think him not coaching in the NFL this year, him having the year off is going to be really beneficial. Take a year off, reassess yourself, get back in as an offensive coordinator and then try. He's not going to well, get another coaching job, but I think he's best as one of those guys with the, as an offensive coordinator. He's just not like the motivator of men. He's not like the rah-rah guy. He's like a scheme guy. He wants to out-scheme the guy in front of him, which is good if you're an offensive coordinator, not if you're a head coach. And it just, it just never worked. I mean, you know, big difference because Tom Thibodeau won coach of the year his first year and, you know, obviously had a long uh, successful track record with the Bulls. But I wonder how much – um, and he, I don't know how much you would admit to it. Um, although he did kind of talk about it recently, I think it was yesterday on ESPN, how much the year off after Minnesota, um, when he, we heard he bounced around and like visited some camps. I think he visited Doc in LA and I think he visited uh, Steve in, in uh, Golden State. I wonder how much that really did make a difference with him because you look in, and you, you hear how players talk about him this year. I don't know, maybe you're better at deciphering this than me, but it, it, it feels genuine when players are talking about like, this is a different like the guys who have had him before have talked about he's different and guys who haven't had him before, like listening to Julius Randall talk about this guy. It's I I mean, what more could you ask? Right. He, um, it, there's no comparison with the jets just sleeping so bad lately, but it's the one comparison that I've drawn, drawn reading about it 
is that it reminds me a lot of Tom Coughlin with the Giants mm. uh, in like the 17, when the Giants won their, not 17, uh, when they won their first Super Bowl in seven with him. Because uh, he was like going to get fired. And he was like the yeah. hard-nosed drill, surge, drill sergeant that everyone hated. Everyone oh, it was so much out. pushback. Michael Strahan's holding out a training camp because he can't deal with him. Tiki Barber mm. retires because he can't deal with him. And what ended up happening was like Tom was a different guy with his family than what he was with his players. Cause he was like, I need to be the hard nose. I need to dr- like drive him into the ground. Yada, yada. And, and his family basically said like, you're going to get your ass fired. Like these, these players need to see who you are as a person. Like, you can still be the hard nose, but they need to see who you are and know that you care about them. And right. that 2007 season, he changed. He's like, well, look, I'm going to get fired anyway. So I might as well just <laughs> try to give this a shot. See if like me is like the, showing them my personality and who I really am with like my family while also being like the stern leader, see if it works. And the Giants wouldn't want a Super Bowl. And and every player on that team will tell you he was a different guy and he was a different player. And you saw him at the the Super Bowl press conference or the Sp- Super Bowl team meeting where Strahan talked about this, where he's saying how much he loves his team and he loves these guys. And like, man, we just heard Coughlin say he loves us. Like it's <laughs> different. And with Tibbs, like you could tell he's still like, the crazy like drill sergeant, like you, you made reference. I was, cra- it was like, honestly, one of my favorite moments of the game where they, uh, uh, who the hell they just, they kicked their ass. Um, Houston? Raptors? The Raptors. Yeah. Where they, where he takes the timeout up like 20 oh, something points. That was Houston. Yeah. They, they, the lead had gotten 20, down yeah. to 24 and he, yeah, he was, he took, but that's, that's not an act. He's not acting. He's fucking pissed. Yes. And that's still him. But I think when you, he's, I think he's more, maybe the edges aren't as like, Maybe the edges aren't as sharp anymore, but like yeah, he's still sure. he's still the where they don't need cares. to be. He's still going to get pissed. Yeah, but I think he's he's the players are more respecting. And I also think this is like a, a perfect team for him because you don't have those ego guys and you don't have those like big personality guys that would tell him to like go fuck himself. Like I, I like yep. I, I don't think like I saw something I, maybe some tweet or something like that about like if the Nets could work with the Knicks. And I don't think they could. I do not think that you could have Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant oh. play for Thibodeau. I don't think no. it works. It's not, it would not, you need like well, almost the pushover coach to work with those superstars. Carl Nick- Anthony Towns had the league. I mean, the entire league was kissing his ass yeah. after his first year, second coming, rookie of the year, the whole thing. And like, you know, I, it's funny. I wonder if you gave Carl Anthony Towns some, some truths here, maybe, you know, give him a couple of shots or something. Um, would he admit that that's a, that he, he was as responsible for, because I think Tibbs has some responsibility for what happened in Minnesota, yeah. but I got to think T- Towns is, is responsible as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, he's a local guy too. I'm not a huge cat fan. Like I just, I don't, there's some, I don't think, I think he's a little, I think he's a little soft, honestly. I just don't, I'm he's not soft. a big, I don't like Carl. I'm not a Carl Anthony Towns guy. Like I know he's going to get his points. He's a hell of a talent, but like, there's been those rumors for a while. Like, how long has there been? Like, the Knicks should trade for him, or like the well, Knicks it's the win? it's the Kentucky thing now, and it's like if you look at for me, it's it's there's two positions you upgrade on the rock. You get a point guard, or you get a, a center who could like do some stuff. So that's why, you know, it, I I'm with you though. I'm I'm souring on and and this to me, what it would take to get him would be such a it, the Godfather package yeah. of all godfather packages and like maybe at one time the knicks would have been that desperate where they would have needed to take the chance like okay we got to take a chance on the talent now you know what i'm not so sure yeah i keep i keep crossing my like the one thing that this team kind of reminds me a little bit of is like the knicks pre-mellow where you, that, you I get saw that a poor building you know what i mean like the 2010 yeah. 11 those first 45 50 yeah. games with stoudemire and yeah yes and then they they gutted it for Mello, which you, you had the superstar, superstar where he wanted to play for the Knicks. Weren't they worried he was going to go to the Nets too? Wasn't that like a concern that like the Nets were going to get him or something? So they didn't want to wait for free agency. I, I mean, if they weren't, then they were, I mean, they were, I shouldn't talk about the Mello trade because I'm going to make people upset. They overpaid to yeah. get him. I, I And I, the only logical reason is because they thought there was a real threat that he would go to the Nets because if not, then give up nothing. Because he's, you know, he would come. But yeah, that was the rumor at the time. Because then wasn't it too? Like, I, I remember the like, because that was Donnie, like Donnie Walsh was like the one who was like really building. Like, like I felt like I saw the vision. They were building the team. And then it was almost like they gutted the roster. I thought I remembered reading something where like that was almost like what put, because Donnie wanted to wait, right? Well, didn't Donnie Walsh want to wait? And then Dolan well, kind of stepped in. And then there were the, there, and then there were the rumors that Isaiah Thomas stepped in at the last minute to maybe throw 
Those, those I, I have no idea if that's actually happened, but yeah. I, th- I remember those whispers have always been out there. Yeah. So like, that's like, it just, it feels to me though, like that team was building a core. It was. And they got their guy in stat, which obviously the stat, long-term stat was never going to work. I mean, you knew he was going to break down. But he was like, was like, like to, uh, compared to another sport, he was, I compare him to like Pedro Martinez with the Mets. Pedro Martinez was like, it didn't, that contract probably did not age well. He did not, I don't know if he pitched yeah. that well with the Mets, but he put the Mets on kind of on the map and yeah. like yeah. Stoudemire came here and he picked, it was like bit. somebody picked it back into it, man. Yeah. It's like when I was a kid, like I grew up in South Jersey. So my parents are from New York, which is where the Knicks fandom comes from. But like I grew up in South Jersey, so I didn't get MSG. I didn't get SNY. So like I didn't get to watch New York sports living up in South. So unless the Knicks were nationally televised, I didn't get a chance to see them. Like I didn't get a chance to watch the nationally That's televised crazy. games. And then where I really started watching them like night in and night out was when Honestly, I started covering the NFL because I wanted to release. Because, like, when you when you cover – like, I cover the Jets for a living. And I grew up a big football fan. So, it was like – I've said this on, on our like, the podcast I do, like, and all that stuff. Like, Sundays in my house were, like, like not church, but it was still a religion. Like, you get up yeah. and from 11 o'clock till 12 o'clock is the ESPN pregame show. 12 to 1 is Fox. 1 to 4 is 1 o'clock game. 4 to four to 8 is the 4 o'clock game. Then you watch NFL primetime, Sunday night football, as long as my mom would let me stay up for it. Like, that was, like, <laughs> my life. Like, yeah. that's how football engulfed me. And so, I mean, I remember my first jobs as a kid. I used to I used to tell all my bosses, I can't work on Sunday because I have to get my schoolwork done. When in reality, I was watching <laughs> football all damn day. Like, that's what I did. That's so, great. like, football was my life. But, like, when I got – when I started covering the NFL and, like, suddenly – football doesn't necessarily become as much enjoyment because you're not watching games to eat wings and drink beer and cheer on the team, but you know, you're watching the game for what story am I going to write? And you're, you know, you're you're watching practice every day, training camp every day, then, then interviewing players and trying to get stories and then watching the games and like watching the film reviews right after the games. Like when you're doing it for work and work, 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 and work, the last thing I really want to do when I sit down on my couch, you know, and I I just finished writing a 2000 word story is like, flip on Thursday night football and watch more football or watch NFL total access. Cause it's like, even inadvertently your brain starts spinning back yeah. into work mode of like, I would cover it this way. I would cover it that way. So I still love sports. I still love everything. So I was like, where can I find this again? And that's where I was like, shit, I'm, I'm going to Monmouth. I can get Knicks games now. <laughs> and that was right around the time that like stat was rolling. That was right around yeah. the time that Mello was coming to town. So it was like, so fun to find that release again of like sports. I remember watching that core though of uh, that, that they've put together and being like, man, there's something building here. And then I get why they gave it all away for Mello. Cause he was like it. Holy cow. Mello's coming here. They got the big three and then the big three more from Chauncey to, to Chandler. But like what I keep telling myself now watching this team and drawing those comparisons to that team is like, I just don't want to blow up the core for one guy. Cause I don't think that, I don't think one guy is going to, with the exception of like one of the, like the guys that there's no chance in hell that they're going to get. I don't see any one guy that's available right now. It's going to be like, Oh, well, they're a contender now. Like, I just don't, I don't see it. So just keep doing it the right way. And if you want to package like some end the picks to go get one guy to add to this core, that's fine, but don't deplete the core for one guy. I just, I don't, I don't want to do that. I like towns would be one of those guys where you have to deplete the core. I mean, that's why, that's why I go, I'm like this on the on a potential ball edition, like for Lons. Like I, I go like this constantly because like I've gone back and forth the entire season. Oh, dude, me too. And I can't. I still. I keep like right now. I'm on the no. So right now I'm on the no train. I, I don't want to do it. If it but was now he's just drop thirty in back to back nights. So now I maybe more towards the yes. He was I, like I, seven for. Yeah, he was like seven for thirteen or fourteen or yeah. fifteen, whatever. It was a great shooting night from three. Yeah, if it was, you know what? If it was just the money. And it was, it was like, oh, like, oh, we could just get him for, you know, what he's worth or a little bit more than he's worth four for 72 or something like yeah. that. I'd be like, okay, I could, cause then you could flip it, but it's not going to be just that. Cause it's probably going to want to be in a sign and trade sign because trade, there's, yeah. it's, you know, and it's just, you're before you know it, you're giving up a first round pick for the right to overpay. And it's just, yeah. Um, so you, you, so you got into the team then, and then it all went to shit. Um, was it, I'm curious, which is still your release as you were, even when they were really bad. No. Cause that's when I started golfing. <laughs> so, so when the Knicks, when the Knicks turned Smart to move. shit, I found golf and golf became that's, my release. Okay. Yeah, and so, so now you've converted back from, from, yeah. So now, yeah. but now it's great. Cause now, now I go out and play 18 and I come home and the Knicks are on. So now it's like ultimate it's, it's great. But no. So like it was, it was rough those. And it was more just cause I think where I got, 
where it got to the point I was never done. Like you're, when you're a fan of a team, you're never yeah, done. You can't be done. Like you, you're, you're never done. But where I was like, that was a just a punch in the gut was when they traded Porzingis just because I, I don't know how you, I loved him. I love, I, and I learned. I loved him. After the fact why. And like Porzingis was a little, I, I, I am still member. Say that. whatever you want. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, but I don't want, I know we still, we still cover the mix. Last thing I want is like the athletics Connor Hughes calls so-and-so, <laughs> but like, uh, I don't want that. But so, but like, you could tell like they, they made the right move. Like he didn't want to be here anymore. I get it. But like yes. in the moment when that trade went down, that wasn't what I saw. I saw Phil Jackson. Oh, why do you trade this guy? Like this, he ruined it. Now I was in this new groups and they're trading him. He's the, he was the savior. He was at least they had KP. Like even if they didn't get this guy or that guy, they still yeah. had KP and now he's gone. That, that was like, that was such a punch in the gut that I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta breathe. Cause that pissed me off. And then, the one thing I remember talking about is a friend of mine who covers the Knicks. I remember like basically being on the bridge, like ready to jump off of like Knicks fandom and being like, you got to explain it. Cause I don't understand. I don't understand why they traded Porzingis. Please explain it to me. And he goes, I mean, he's a source guy. He's talking to people within the, I don't have Knicks sources. I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. I don't have Knicks sources. And he said, he goes, they don't make that trade unless they have very good confirmation that something big's coming. Well, and then obviously yeah. what blows all that up is Katie getting hurt. Like when Katie got hurt, that changed everything. Um, but like you- then to have him get hurt, the big three not go there. They don't get the pick. They don't even get Zion. They don't get the big three. They go to Brooklyn. It was just like, I still watched them, but it was like just depressed. It was almost like it's never going to happen. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when they're going to It's still like I'm watching the Knicks. It's fun. It's basketball. But like, I, like Barrett, his rookie year wasn't that fun to watch. Randall well, he, sucked. So again, like, people, people get mad at me for saying it. He wasn't very good. He was, yeah. he was his rookie exactly, year. Exactly, man. It wasn't fun. Like it, was, it wasn't fun to watch this team anymore. But now this year is when it's been like, I read all about how Randall is different, and I was like, okay. And I read it, but then you started seeing him, and then it was like, well, it's just a hot start. Then it's like just a hot month. Then it's like, well, he's not going to continue it past the All Star game. Now you've got the superstar that is. Forget the fact he's. Goddamn good basketball player. He's also an awesome person. Like you see what he's like with his son. Yeah. Like that's like now forget like Porzingis, forget Mello, forget Stat. Like I root for Randall the player as much as I root for Randall the person. And then you see like quickly coming in, and then you see Rose, who's just like, yo, I'm all aboard the Derrick Rose train. And it's just like it's a it's a it's a team that's fun. Like that's the I, yeah. they're, I don't they're not I don't have any dreams this year realistic dreams of them like well Eastern Conference Finals, but they're still just fun to watch again but, but hold on team you can pull for and relate to you yeah, know what I mean but, but but so I compare getting a superstar in the NBA to getting a quarterback in mm-hmm. the NFL if you have if you have the that player you could figure everything else out yeah and I feel like the the biggest change for me over the course of the season is now I can't sit here unequivocally and be like, no, Randall's not a number one. I can't, I can't say that having seen what we've seen. And it actually, you know, it's funny. makes me think a little bit of Sam Darnold because I don't think anyone disputes Sam Darnold's really talented kid. I mean, from, again, I'm not an expert watching football, but like I saw some game, he showed some stuff and it didn't work out for him here because situation, whatever, who knows what's going to happen in Carolina or wherever he ends up like Randall, all the pedigree in the world coming from Kentucky, yeah. right? Yeah. And then those LA is kind of funky for those years, and then in New Orleans, and then here last year. Like, is it that nuts? Is it yeah. that crazy? It's so one of my, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm raised. I, my family's from New York, which is where like the the Knicks fandom comes from. But I'm, I, I grew up in South Jersey, which is Eagles country, which is uh, Sixers country, Flyers country, Phillies country. It sucks. Fucking sucks. So all of my friends are Philadelphia fans. My fiance is born and raised in Philly. So like, I can't get away from Philly sports. I hate Philly sports. I hate Philly sports teams. I can't get away from them. But my best friend, my best friend, huge, he know he's a big basketball guy, knows basketball. So he's, he's what I am with football is what he is with basketball. Okay. Big, big Sixers fan. And I talk to him a lot because he also hates the Knicks. Like he, he hates them. He hates the Knicks. Like I hate the Eagles. Like I hate the Sixers. Like he hates the Knicks that way. It's cool to be hated. That means means you're doing something for somebody to hate you. Exactly. So like he's hated them forever. So like when they got mellow, it was, 
he's a selfish player. You're never going to win a title with Melo. And he's always fucking right. Like, that's the annoying thing is like all the, when I buy into the Kool-Aid, like when I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah. he comes with like that splash of water in my head and he's always right. And it's so annoying. And so when I was talking to him about Randall, like early in the season, like the guy's playing well, he goes, he's not a number one. He's a number two. He's not a number one. He's never going to be the guy in the shit, like talking all this stuff. The last, now he knows I'm watching. Now he's watching Knicks games because he wants to talk trash to me. <laughs> and he's, he's like, see, that's why. So he's watched them during this winning, like the 11, like 12, 12, 12 out of 13. We should say yeah. we're recording this on uh, before the Denver game. Yeah. yeah. So he's watching them. I got a text from him the other night and it was like, Dude, he's he's not he's not in sports field. He's my best friend from from middle school and high school. He's not a, he's not a sports reporter or anything. But it was the most validation I could get. As he texted me, he goes, he's like, I don't know who the fuck this is. He goes, I don't know who I'm watching. He goes, that's not Julius Randle. He goes, no. I, he goes, dude. He goes, I'm watching step back threes. I'm watching passing. He goes, I don't know who this is but that's not Julius Randall. He goes, yeah. that's not him. And it's like, that's how much he's changed his game. Like he's just, he's, and I was the same way. I was like, man, early in the season, man, that's a number. That's a, he can be a good number two, number three on a championship team. Then it became, yeah, he can be the the Robin to someone's Batman to now. Yeah. It's like, fuck it, man. He can be Batman. Why the hell can he? Why can't he? Why can't he be the guy? I mean, he is the, it, forget about the, the threes, which will sometimes fall. Sometimes not. There's still some ISO ball in his game that I don't really like, but also he's hitting the shots. So why can't I bitch? But it's the way that like the biggest difference for me and where I'm where I see it now is the passing to the teammates. Is that yeah. like when he jumped, when he's like doing one of those like step backs and you look like, oh, my God, he's going to throw up a dumb, a dumb. Pass. He finds his teammate or when the double team comes and he dishes it off to his team. Like that's the stuff where it's like, you know what? Why can't he be? Why can't he be? He's also he's also showing that he's going to be the type of superstar that another superstar wants to play with. Like yes. he's not the guy that's like, he's not the dude where you're like, I don't really want to be there. It's like, he's going to make me better. Any star that comes to play with Randall is going to be better playing with Randall and not. And I think that it's just, it's, it's fun. It's fun watching him, man. And the nice thing is he's already shown in his, the, his early in his career, the ability to benefit from playing with playmakers who could set him up because the one thing he really hasn't had a chance to do this year was the funniest thing of all. He's a great, he was once upon a time, a great finisher, not a good finisher, a great finisher yeah. at the rim. And he didn't even get to do that because he's taking all of these step backs. Um, a couple more and, and then I'll get you out of here. Um, so Randall's obviously doing his thing. We, we, uh, we, we talked about Tibbs a little bit. Um, I'm <sighs> So the NFL, I feel like, is cool for fans because you never know. This could be the year, right? Yeah. It could all fit. Yeah. The NBA, I feel like it's more of a slow build and some, you know, yeah. usually a slow decline unless, you know, you have James Harden who decides like he doesn't want to be on your team anymore. Um, but most of the time it's, it's gradual. Um, and, I, you know, the narrative this year around the team, it feels like as big a lift as they like, I can't, I've never, I can't remember anything like this in, in, in any sport where it's just gone from like zero to a hundred over the course of what, six months. Yeah. That's the crazy uh, part to me. It's, it's just, and for me watching them, I think what's I, like, I'm just loving the ride. Like, I, I know it's, yeah. I know it's not going to end with them. Like it's, they're not, it's not going to end with an NBA championship this year. Like I, I think no. everyone kind of really, it's just, they, they don't, they don't, I don't think they can compete. If they if they run into the the Sixers or if they run into the Nets in the playoffs, it's like I don't. I think I think they could give Milwaukee a. a I, that's, I keep saying I that. They, I think they could give Milwaukee a run, but I just don't see them with the and I, like if they. But if they ran into the Sixers, I think they could give Milwaukee a run. But if they ran into the Sixers or Nets, it's like win a game. I think winning a game would be like in, in that series or winning two games in that winning series. two game. If they won two games against the Nets or Sixers, if they got to that point and then won two games. Hold the yes. championship parade. I don't, yes. I don't even care. And that's what, and that's why for me, like now when I watch it, like what I can't help, and I, I just want to live in the moment and I just want to enjoy this ride. But like, like tonight's going to be fun watching them against that. Like that's going to oh, be a fun wait. game tonight. I yeah. can't wait. But like what, and it was the same as it was fun against the Suns because they gave this big, they, they gave him a run. Like they, they were, in, they should have won the game. Like they should, they, if it wasn't for Chris Paul oh pulling, like just pulling that out of his ass. The Knicks win that game. Like Chris Paul is the reason why they, it's, and you can't, you can't stop that. There's no, you can't be pissed. No, the, it was un, unguardable. And, and that yes. first five minutes of that game was the, the best the Knicks have played all season. I yes, still, it was amazing. And like, I'm just trying to enjoy the ride, but what also is in my head and I can't get it out is like, 
how do they get to the next step? And that's what, like, I think that the wild part of it all is like, you don't know what quickly is going to look like next year. you like better, but you don't know how much better. And the same thing with Barrett. You don't know how much better, like, you know, he's going to be better, but how much better. And obviously that can be a complete X factor in all of this, but where my brain keeps going is like, well, where do they get it to the, where do they get to where they are Philly? Where do they get? Well, Brooklyn, I think is just, you can cost them off. Philly is probably a better comparison because Philly built it. Like Phil, yes. the 76ers did build that. They did uh, build it, it, it not traditionally, they but they built it. Yeah. And, and I mean, the Sixers, obviously like they, it took them literally tanking to get Embiid and then tanking continually to get Simmons. And I don't think that like the Knicks tank to get either of those guys. And they're obviously now not going to be in a position to do that, but like, how do they get to the next step? Is it the free agent? I don't see the free agent this year, unless you're talking about Lonzo. I don't think he makes him a championship His, team. So it's Lonzo's like, Lonzo's not a difference making yeah, player and, and in, that's in, that, that, struggles, way, in like, that way. Where do you get there? That's where I struggle. I don't know where they get from here to that next step. I, but again, like I, the, for the, I'll tell you what, dude, for the first time in a long time is like, I trust them. I trust management. I trust coaching and whatever management and coaching does, unless ownership steps in, I trust what they're going to do. And I, 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 I'm saying it knocking wood, but like I'm, I'm more cautiously optimistic now than I have been ever before. Ever. Well, you said it, um, you said it about Joe Douglas. And I think, I think I'm at the point with Leon Rose where I know, you know, um, we, there's, He's he may not be the most traditional guy. Worldwide West is again one of one. Um, you know, Tibbs is 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 Tibbs. I trust Leon Rose. And I, I, I can't tell if that's gonna come back to bite me in the ass, but I I trust Leon Rose completely. Um, because you just you know what bad leadership is when yeah. you see it. It's obvious. And it's like this is a guy who it's, you know, again, no one, I don't think anyone was saying what they were saying about Joe Douglas, which is like, I can't believe he went there. Like Leon Rose is again, he's been running the Knicks from afar for, for a lot of years, but he seems like, okay, the job is not too big for him at the very least, which is to me, that's of all the things that have gone right with the Knicks this year. I think that might be the most encouraging thing for me. Yeah. And I, I think to what I, what it seems like the organizational mindset has changed from and, and maybe it was just no, not by choice, but by like, we have to is that for a very long time. And I've bought into it is where it's like, they're going to suck. They're going to suck. They're going to suck, but don't worry because in free agency, this guy's going to want to come here. Yeah. And what my buddy always used to say is I used to tell him, be like, dude, don't worry about what the Knicks are. They're going to sign so-and-so, or they're going to get this guy, or they're going to get that guy. And he'd be yeah. like, why the fuck is he going to go there? Why? Yeah. And I'd be like, because it's New York, you want to play in New York. And then, free agency would come and he wouldn't go there and he wouldn't go there. And the next, the next guy wouldn't go there. He wouldn't go there. That guy wouldn't go there. And then obviously I think that the Durant, like I said, the Durant situation, I think is just an outlier because the injury changed everything. But I think what the Knicks finally said is like, we're not going to rely on just being New York. And that's why people are going to play for us. Yeah. We're going to want to build a team that people are going to want to play for. Not because we're New York, but because you want to play. You see the fun that the players are having. You see the fun that the fans are having. You see the attention that's going in. You're going to be like, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of like them just because they're the Knicks. I want to be a part of that team. If that was, if this was like this core group and this coaching staff and all that stuff was Milwaukee or Philadelphia or whatever, you just want to be a part of it. Cause it looks like something you want to be a part of. And for, that's where I think it will eventually be as long as they keep on this path, I think it's going to benefit them in the long run, because I know this free agent class isn't all that juicy, but next year, the year after, like if you keep building it this way, there's always you're eventually going to be a, a destination that people want to play for because yeah. they're going to look at it and say like, man, I want to, I want to be there. I want to, I want the fans to cheer my name. I want to hear MVP chance. So, you know, I want to hear, I want to do the, <laughs> I want to be a part of this. Yeah. And I think for the first time there's been that mindset change of like, don't focus on this free agent class. Don't focus on getting this star, this superstar trading for this guy. Let's just build a team and you're yep. building a team. And then it's almost like that old, like, cliche, like if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's finally where they're at. And but it took it, a while to get here, but now it's, it's also, and as a fan, it's fun to go along for this ride because now it's not like you're not focusing on the future. You're able to live in the present. Like you're able to live in this right now. Well, enjoy the team now while also saying like, you know what, maybe the future, maybe you can go get this guy later on, but still you got this right now. There's the, there is the present, but at the same time, I, there is no t other than I guess 2012, uh, 13. There's no time in the last 20 years we could say the Knicks are good in it's or this team is good in this market. 
right? Yeah. And and 2013 was they didn't have cap space, and then they made the awful Bargnani trade, and we don't oh, have to talk about gonna, that. Don't bring up that, man. We're that not gonna. We're not. Right. We're, no, I'm, I'm sorry. We've run out of time. Um, <laughs> By the way, you t- I talked about my buddy earlier who always makes fun of me. That trade went down, and I got a big LOL as soon as that one. I, I'm like, oh no, he's fine. It'll be it'll be great. He's back in New York. I got that. He goes, oh, you just wait. No, you wait on this one. Woo. It was arguably the in the most indefensible in the moment move they've done. Because even like Eddie Curry, I, this is before you were watching the deal, but like Eddie Curry when Isaiah Thomas traded for Eddie Curry, it's like okay, if he, if he hits, if it hits. Yeah, he could be a great, but no, not Bargnani was um, again oh. awful. Um, I have to put you Wait, on the spot it? real quick. Was it wasn't there? I remember one Bargnani trade. What, what was the one where he tried to posterize the guy and came up? Oh, so the, short? The, it was the the gif of 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 gifts where he. I don't, I don't even know how to describe that play where he it's like he took off from not the free throw line. He took off from like the dotted circle just inside the free throw <laughs> he line. He tried to fly and he came up so short. Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. And I think he, that just summarized it, man. That was summarized the whole damn thing. But that was the, I mean, from 2013, 14 until this year, that was the Knicks. It was yeah. that, it, that Bargnani, that, like that exemplified everything they did. Um Hopefully all that's behind us. Um I, I am, I am putting you on the spot. Um I need, I need two things. I need the Jets record this year. Yeah. And I need, um, get, I'm not going to hold you to specifics, but what, what do you, what do you think of the kid who looks like he's about 13 and a half years old? Um, yeah. I, I just, God, I saw the picture of him in the hotel room with the phone. I'm like, really? Is this, this is the, okay. Yeah. I'd say schedule predictions are a lot harder now because they added that extra game. So I was about to say oh, like, yeah, that's oh, right. six and 10, seven and nine. I'm like, wait a minute. Those records don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that if, if Zach is as good as the Jets believe, this team can win seven or eight games this year. I wow, do. Okay. I, I do believe that. Like I think they can. They can get to seven or eight. Well, I saw you wrote that you, the plan like, is to start him, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. they, yeah. That they're gonna they're gonna start him. I mean, it's okay. gonna take it's gonna take him like really, really not being ready for that. Okay. As long as like he proves he's not gonna be a, a to a detriment to both himself and the teammates, he'll start. Like he'll, okay. he'll be there. The, the days of like rookie quarterback rides bench is, is pretty much over unless it's like a Tua situation in Miami where he just was not ready. Like they yeah. couldn't play him. Uh, but Zach, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so as, if, as long as they get like some solid play from him, I think they can win seven or eight. Cause you're going to get the new coach motivation from Salah. I think the defense is actually going to be all right. Okay. Uh, and I think the offense is going to be significantly better, especially with Michael floor as the coordinator. Um, as far as Wilson, I, the jets are, the Jets are really excited about him. I mean, they they really are. And that that's talking to people in the building. That's talking to people outside the building. I mean, they have not hid their infatuation with him. He's the he's a scheme fit for the offense, which checks a lot of boxes. But what they love about him is the confidence that he plays with without being arrogant. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, steps in the room and owns the room without having to say, I own the room. You know, with Sam, okay. Sam was like a, a guy that people liked, but he was a little more passive. He was like that California cool, like surfer guy. Like, yeah, bro. Like his, his <laughs> ideal fun is like sitting on the beach with a bonfire and his friends. Like, that's it. That's how, that's his fun. That's what he okay. always a good time. Zach's the guy who's going to step in and invite everyone over to his house and they're all going to party. Like, it's like, it's like, he's just somebody who's going to be the life of the party. He's just, okay. and I think when you have that kind of a swagger, that kind of a confidence, but it's the confidence and the swagger that does not even in the slightest bit teeter on arrogance. Uh-huh. I think that's going to help you a lot in captivating the locker room. And then it's just a matter of skill. And, and when it comes to the NFL, I mean, Todd, Todd Bowles described it best. He called the draft an educated crapshoot. And, and that's really what it is. No one knows, like no one knows. So, but when you listen to what scouts say about Wilson with that ability to throw off platform, the deadly accuracy, the arm strength, the uh, the ability to throw off platform the 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 just the overall talent and the Mahomes like magic when plays break down. I saw you re- mentioned Mahomes' name in your piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you take that and you combine it in an offense that is going to be incredibly quarterback friendly and going to be designed for the quarterback, I think you have the chance for some special things. Now the Jets need still additional help. Like they need another running back. They potentially need some help at tight end. They need another right guard still. The right tackle and center positions are they're optimistic about it. But okay. from my perspective, still a little questionable. The defense needs help in the secondary, still needs another pass rusher. But I think that there's a chance for a team that's going to be exciting. And when you're exciting and when you're young and when you don't necessarily know what your struggles are and you don't necessarily know what you can't do because of how young you are, 
you have a chance to sneak up on some teams. And I think that that'll, that'll, as long as Wilson isn't a disaster, this team can win seven or eight. I I think so. And if things really break their way, maybe they go to nine, but I think seven or eight is, is fair. I think I'm going to save telling my wife about what you just said until mother's (laughs) day. And that'll be her mother's day present. Um, There you go. Because nothing, nothing can make her happier. Um, Kind of, this was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, Can you just do me one last favor and tell everybody at home uh, where they could find you and all of any and all of your content? Yeah. So the vast majority of my stuff's all over at the athletics. So you guys just go to the athletics, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, Check that out. You'll find all my jets coverage there. You mentioned Vork. I love him. Uh, you got to go check out Vork's Nick stuff as well. Um, and then on social media, both the same handle, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. That's the two. I, I have not branched into the TikTok world yet. I am not. I am not even trying that yet. I it's frankly intimidating to me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, it. you know, I've talked to um, someone who works with us, uh, Chris Persian, and he's like, no, it's, it's TikTok is where it's at. I'm like, I can't it's just not there yet. Maybe I one had day. a. Uh, Real quick, funny story is uh, Please. after the Jets traded Sam, um, the cool thing about the Athletic is that we have, uh, when I started, it was just Philly, New York, Toronto, and Chicago. I remember that. Fran. Yeah, yeah remember now, that. like that was three years ago. Now it's, holy shit, we're everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing about it is like we have a beat writer assigned to every single NFL team. So when something happens, I can like talk to our Panthers guy to get like the Panthers insight. So uh, our Panthers guy contacted me after like the Sam trade went down and he goes, hey, he goes, I was thinking maybe you and I do a TikTok <laughs> to describe like what happened with Sam. And so in my mind, like Joe person who's, who's our Panthers guys, he's an older guy. So I'm like, Joe TikToks. I was like, I don't, I mean, I was like, I, I don't. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do a TikTok. Sure. That sounds interesting. By the way, are we talking about TikTok social media? And he goes, Oh my God, no, I meant a timeline. So he meant like TikTok, like a, a timeline of like going all the time. Dude, in my mind, when he first said, let's do a TikTok, I texted him back. I was like, dude, I was like, I'll be totally honest. I thought we were going to do a choreographed dance right now for a second. Like I was bugging. I was like, I mean, you just, I, I guess I got to do a TikTok now over Sam. No, he meant like a timeline. I was like, oh, okay. that makes a lot more sense. He goes, yeah, he goes, dude, I don't, I don't TikTok. I'm like 45. I don't TikTok. I was no, like, okay. Gotcha. Now I want to see Vork do uh, who? What Nick beat writer could could Vork do? Uh, to, oh, with uh, maybe with Berman, that would be funny. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, I'd like to see them. Do. Um, th- this was great, everybody. Um, I say this every time Vork's on. I'll say it when you're on. If you're not like seriously, if you're not subscribed to the Athletic, it's like was it's like five dollars a month, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, we run promos. You run promos. I see it all the promos. time. I mean, I've been subscribed for years, but I see promotions yeah. all the time where it's you can get it for essentially nothing. Um, it's it's the best, most quality coverage uh, out there about literally whatever sport you want. Um, I caught up on the Jets today, reading all your stuff, and and that was a lot of fun. Appreciate I feel like it, man. Semi knowledgeable. Yeah. Oh God, it's great. Um, everybody, follow Connor. Um, and uh, thank you for coming on, everybody out there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. We'll be back with another one very soon. true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's join M-I-D-I dot com.